Welcome everyone, you're listening to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I'm Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hi! Hey. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Hola! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so on this week's episode, we are kind of continuing the spooky theme, and we're going to cover Carrie. And we are focusing on the 2012 revival cast, which will be linked in our show notes for our Spotify playlist. Woo! Woo! So a little bit of background about Carrie. Carrie is adapted from the 1974 Stephen King book of the same name. Lawrence D. Cohen was inspired after a 1981 performance of the opera Lulu. He wrote the script for the 1976 film adaption of Carrie. He began writing for a musical along with Michael Gore. It went under numerous rewrites, but was brought to workshop in August 1984 in New York City. It was announced that it would be produced on Broadway in 1986, but funding was not raised until late 1987. Hmm. The show actually ended up being produced by Friedrich Kurtz and the Royal Shakespeare Company, which had it performed in Stratford-upon-Avon, England. That's that's a place? That's a place. Hmm. That's where Shakespeare's from. Beginning February 13th, 1988. It was a massive, technically complex production, which featured pyrotechnics, lasers, automated scenery, and a gigantic flying staircase. They went all out. Concert? (laughs) Jeez. Might as well be. (laughs) Does it it also have a splatter zone? It should. (laughs) It should, I mean. Okay. Okay. The production was actually plagued with script and technical problems, with songs being rewritten before opening, songs being taken out and adapted during production, and one of the actresses being nearly decapitated by one of the set pieces. Lovely. That so almost it. a splash zone. Nice. Yeah. And she actually did technically quit, but they were like, just stay on until we find a, a replacement. And they just conveniently didn't find a replacement <laughs> until the end of the show. <laughs> so she okay. was with it for the rest of the production. I would have left. I'd have been like, nope. <laughs> nah, I like my head where it is. Yeah. yeah thanks. Not on the floor five feet over. Yeah. After that, the show was transferred to Broadway in 1988 for $8 million, which was super expensive for that time period. And, yeah. I mean, today it sounds like a lot of money to me, but in the Broadway world, that's not, not really It's like an average, like, just kind of meh show production. Yeah. But for 1988, that was a lot. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the UK cast stuck with the show, aside from the actress who was almost decapitated, of course. <laughs> she did not stick <laughs> I'm out of here. For good reason. The show started previews on April 28th, 1988 at the Virginia Theater. And after the final song, the show received both boos and applause. But both leading actresses received standing ovations. Oh, good. So <laughs> Everyone's oh, just saying okay. both at once. Boo! Boo! <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> but I appreciate you. Yeah, they appreciated the actresses' efforts, but agreed like the show was... Weird and <laughs> not great. I mean, it's based off of like Stephen King. That's not really like what I would pick for musical. Yeah, yeah, same. I wouldn't have thought it either. But then again, we've been covering a lot of things that aren't like what I would pick for musical. SpongeBob. See our last episode of Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or any, any of yours. Maybe don't if you're. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just. Yeah, just yeah, just do it. It. Consider it. <laughs> the show officially opened on May 12th, 1988, 
It received scathing reviews despite being sold out every night. <laughs> financial backers pulled their money from the show, and it closed on May 15th after only 16 previews and five performances. So saying it was a sold-out show for five performances isn't like... I can see why they would still pull their money out. It earned its place in theater history as one of the most expensive disasters of all time. Oh. And actually, a 1991 book written by Ken Mandelbaum, which chronicled the history of flop Broadway musicals, was partially titled Not Since Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Man, set in the bar. Yeah. Big yikers. On November 20th, 2009, in New York City, a reading was held after the score and book had been revised by the original composers Michael Gore and Dean Pritchford and writer Lawrence D. Cohen. On October 5th, 2010, so decent time jump there it was yeah. confirmed that carrie would be produced off broadway at the lucille lordle theater by mcc theater finally getting another showing yeah the initial cast for the revival was announced on may 3rd 2011 uh, Marin mazzy starred as margaret white and molly ranson as carrie and the additional cast was announced on november 21st 2011 so again weird time Big jump for <laughs> the rest of that cast but okay it's almost like people didn't want to make this <laughs> Dragging their feet a little bit. They didn't want to get decapitated. So finally, on August 1st, 2011, a benefit preview of the revival was presented at the Lucille Lordle Theater titled Revisiting Carrie. And this gave behind-the-scenes looks at the production and song selections were performed. The revival previews officially began on January 31st, 2012, and then officially opened on March 1st, 2012. But then... <laughs> <laughs> it uh, closed on April 8th after a limited engagement of 34 previews and 46 performances. <laughs> hey, they got more than five. Yeah. True. They tried so hard. <laughs> no, so it was so short because they had accomplished what they set out to do, which was to rescue Carrie from its flop status of previous and to give the show new life. So, yay. Okay. That's fair. The show was actually nominated for multiple awards and won one, the Off-Broadway Alliance Award for Best Musical Revival. Yay! Woohoo! Yay! On April 9th, 2012, Ghost Light Records announced that they would record the first ever cast album of the show. It was released <laughs> on September 25th, 2012, and reached 183 on Billboard's current albums chart for the week of October 13th, 2012, when it also topped the magazine's cast albums chart. So it did pretty good. So, uh -huh. yeah, not for, too you know, musical soundtrack. For a dead corpse of a musical. Listen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they tried. They changed out a lot of the songs and things like that, so it probably helped a lot. Yep. In early 2015, it was announced that the revamped Carrie was going to London's Off West End Theater, the Southwark Playhouse, for a limited season from May 1st through 30th. It opened to mostly positive reviews. Yay. Yeah. Change. Then on March 18th, 2015, a new environmental immersive, which I have no idea what that entails. <laughs> Splatter zone. <laughs> they set the theater on fire. <laughs> yeah. So this version of Carrie premiered at the La Miranda Theater for the Performing Arts in Los Angeles. It featured a revised book and score and was renamed Carrie the Killer Musical Experience. Which does imply, like, 40 nonsense. Yeah, splatter <laughs> zone. They have, like, know. somebody next to you just blow wind on you. Instead of the uh, scary prom scene happening on stage, it's the entire auditorium! No! <laughs> You're all locked in, the room's on fire, and there's blood everywhere! 
Sounds like my Thursday night. Oh. <laughs> <Yes>. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, <no>. What? <laughs> oh, I found some information about the killer musical experience. Ooh. Ooh. The, like, 4D one? Yeah, so as soon as guests step in the building, the immersion begins. So the lobby is decorated like a high school prom. There's props like school lockers and stuff. There are two separate rooms for photo ops. One is a giant farm with a bloody pig as its centerpiece. Oh. The other as a gym locker room with beautifully lit bloody letters spelling out, Carrie White eats shit. <laughs> oh. Oh. And then the actual performance area is set up like a gym, and so the seats resemble bleachers. Hmm. And the cast members occasionally sit or stand amongst the audience members, sometimes exchanging cursory sentiments with them. <laughs> Weird. The four bleachers. Oh, funky. The four bleacher sections are also mobile, so, like, the audience seats move. Oh. Man, that seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, towards the stage during some scenes and, like, farther away during others to, like, enhance the different scenes. I could see it for, like, telepathic stuff if she's, like, using her powers, like, moving this. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, what? Weird. Yeah, that's the main part that seems, like, immersive. I mean, that's interesting. I'm sad there's no splatter zone, but that's interesting. <laughs> right, like, they missed the opportunity there. <laughs> this would be another show that it would be acceptable. Yeah, except, I mean, in Carrie, she sets them all on fire, so, like... I'm talking about for the pig's blood. Yeah, that's true. It all gets splattered in blood. But I think there's a lot more uh, splatteringness in uh, Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. So this production received largely positive reviews especially for its cast and unique staging concept. It also received five Ovation Award nominations. On June 22, 2015, it was announced that it would return to Los Angeles in October 2015 for a limited six-week engagement. They like their short weeks, don't they? Yeah. Or short runnings. Like short bursts of this show. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, some uh, extra little factoids for you, because I'm a big trivia fan. <laughs> There were three unauthorized productions of the show in 2001. Sneaky, oh, sneaky. <gasps> Bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually no official cast recording from 1988, but there are bootleg audio tapes and video footage shot from the audience, as well as professionally uh-huh. made review tapes sent to various journalists to promote the show. So you mm. can probably find some stuff yeah. online. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's Eric Jackson tried to secure the rights to stage another production of the musical. But his request was denied. He actually denied. eventually earned the consent of Stephen King, which doesn't surprise me because he's just like chill about everything. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, <laughs> to uh, make a new non-musical production, which debuted off-Broadway in 2006 with female impersonator, aka drag queen, Sherry Vine, or Keith Levy, in the lead role. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, very cool. In 2018, also a... High school production of the musical is the focus of Chapter 31, A Night to Remember, an episode of Riverdale, uh, if you've seen it. The Riverdale cast album of the musical was produced via Water Tower Music. Yeah, which is, I, I think, definitely the reason why min- many people of like the younger generation probably know Carrie at all, to yeah. any capacity. Which is fine. I mean, it gets them interested. Yeah. I don't know anything about Riverdale. Nope. I just know it's popular. It's a thing. Same. And Cole Sprouse was on it? Yep. yep. Yes. Yeah. That's all I know. Probably the best part about the show. So let's go ahead and get into our act one. And just like with our album choice, we are also following the script storyline from the 2012 production. Oh, we didn't want to follow the crappy one <laughs> you know, that nobody liked? I decided no on that. <laughs> we didn't want to boo it? <laughs> boo and clap. 
<laughs> as long as we don't go full splatter zone from our computers, I'm good. True. So the show opens with Sue Snell, who is a witness and acts as our story guide as she recounts the incidents leading up to the night of May 28th. As she's questioned about what happened, figures from her high school life start to appear, and we're introduced to her, the good girl, her athlete boyfriend, Tommy Ross, her spoiled best friend, Chris Harginson, Chris's troublemaking boyfriend, Billy Nolan, and the misfit, Carrie White. Despite their differences, they all struggle with insecurities and want to belong and fit in, in the song, In. After gym class, the girls go hit the showers where Carrie experiences her first period. She is terrified, thinking that she is bleeding to death, as she hasn't been taught about menstruation. The other girls make fun of her because she's terrified and ignorant. Chris acts as ringleader and has all the girls, including Sue, encircle Carrie and call her names and taunt her. Which is so not awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The gym teacher, Miss Gardner, comes to break everything up at the height of Carrie's hysteria, and a light bulb inexplicably explodes. <sighs> Spooky. The girls are reprimanded, but they dismiss it saying that it's just Carrie and that she's been the butt of their jokes since childhood. So, like, what's a few more jabs when she's yeah, literally yeah. terrified out of her mind? Glad uh, they've all been terrible people since they were kids. Yep. Yay. Some people don't change. Very true. true. Miss Gardner and the guidance counselor slash English teacher, Mr. Stevens, send Carrie home for the rest of the day, which is very nice of them. Yeah. The hurtful insults still swirl in Carrie's mind, of course, and she's very furious and hurt. This is the song Carrie. Tommy and his pals discuss the upcoming senior prom as Billy comes in on his skateboard because they're hashtag cool dudes. (laughs) Cool bros coming in on skateboards. (laughs) As Carrie passes by, he calls her names and makes fun at her because, of course. Because what a jerk. Because everybody's got to be terrible in this. Yeah. Yeah. She turns a furious glance at him, and he goes flying off his skateboard. He tries to blame his sudden clumsiness on her, but his friends just kind of laugh it off. I mean, I would do. <laughs> start making fun of him. Yeah. <laughs> at Carrie's home, her mother Margaret is working at her sewing machine and singing along to her favorite evangelical radio program. This is the song, Open Your Heart. Carrie joins in the hymn, even though she's still upset, and she tells her mother about the chaotic events of the day. Uh, And the realization that Carrie got her period, making her a woman, Margaret is thrown into a full God-fearing panic. Ah! Ah! Saying that the blood is a sign of sin and Carrie's gonna go to hell. Because that's That's, how that works. Hey, Mom, I've had a rough day. Oh, you're going to hell. (laughs) And also, like, okay, she is also a woman and has a child. Therefore, she's probably had a period, too. So, like... One would hope. Is she also going to hell? I don't understand. Yes. yes. Amber, She's just that a requires bad logic person. and reason. All women that, go to hell. Yeah, she actually thinks that yeah, that, that once you become a woman, like that's it. Like you're damned damned forever. So weird. And so she tells Carrie to repent, but Carrie refuses because like Miss Gardner told her that I mean, it was normal and that she should have learned that from her mother, and so she's like, I don't understand. Like this Right. Like, it's a thing. It's fine. But of course that doesn't work in this household. Because child abuse. And so Margaret locks Carrie in a closet and tells her to beg for repentance in And Eve Was Weak. Yeah. So great it's time. not a great subject matter, but I actually kind of like the song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just the, the way that she sings it, I guess. It's terrible, but. But you, you know. like it. <laughs> but it banging, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
So since Chris's parents are out of town, she, of course, throws a party and tells everyone about the events of the day with Carrie in the locker room, because she's terrible. Uh-huh. Sue is confused and upset about her part in all of it and tries to tell Chris that the stunt wasn't funny. And Chris tells her about how the world actually works. You have to strike before you're struck. And the song is The World According to Chris, where we learn that she's a constantly terrible person and she, she was raised that way. So Nice. Consistency. Yay! Yeah. Basically. Sue is upset by her friend's toxic behavior and leaves the party with Tommy. And Tommy suggests that Sue should probably apologize to Carrie because that will make her feel better because she did a terrible thing. Good Tommy. Good old Tommy. Yeah, Tommy's like the one person that isn't super shitty. Isn't a butt. Yeah. I mean, like, Sue's not technically terrible, but she went along with the terrible thing. So She was an accomplice. Yeah. Part of the crowd, does it work? Mm-hmm. Back at the White household, Carrie is still locked in the closet praying, surrounded by religious icons. And also Margaret pleads for her own divine guidance. Like, oh, how do I raise this demon child? <laughs> Shut her in a closet. Yeah. Put her in a closet. Carrie puzzles over the new sensations she's been feeling and gets more agitated. I mean, I'd be real pissed off too. Uh-huh. And as she's getting all agitated, a little figurine of Jesus levitates and Carrie starts to wonder if the power is coming from inside her. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Margaret releases Carrie from the closet and sobs for forgiveness from Carrie for her actions, which causes Carrie to beg for forgiveness as well, which is a classic abusive tactic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the two find solace in each other's goodnight embrace in the song Evening Prayers. So, Mom is also, like, the worst person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next day in English class, Mr. Stevens praises a poem that Tommy has written and has him recite his work to the class. And the song is Dreamer in Disguise. Uh, Mr. Stevens asks the other students for reactions to the poem, and Carrie volunteers. But her heartfelt emotion just causes the other students to mock her, which, like, then you don't understand poetry, so suck it. After class, Sue decides to follow Tommy's advice and apologize to Carrie, Carrie thinks it's just another joke at her expense and explodes at her before storming off. Well. You know, I, I you know, <laughs> like, she's warranted in that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's had it rough. Everything in her life kind of sucks right now, it, so she, yeah. she has earned a good yell. Yes. And because of this, Sue is finally starting to realize how much abuse Carrie has gone through, like, from her classmates and what she also was part of. And she reflects on the encounter in the song, Once You See. Miss Gardner scolds the girls for their mistreatment of Carrie and demands that they all apologize to her or else they will be sent to detention for one week. (gasps) One whole week. Wow. Wow. All the girls except Chris apologize. And then Chris hurls even more insults at Carrie because why not? Because she's terrible. (laughs) So Miss Gardner ups Chris's punishment to suspension, finally, which kicks her out of the prom. She tries to get the other girls to rally with her against the punishment, but Sue just tells her to shut up and that not everything revolves around her. (laughs) And then this makes the two best friends now enemies. Classic high school. You go, Sue. Can't fight. Miss Gardner apologizes to the now sobbing Carrie about everything, but Carrie surprises her by insisting she let Chris go to prom. Carrie points out that to girls like Chris, prom is the ultimate dream, and it shouldn't matter anyway since Carrie herself isn't going. So, you know, it doesn't really bother her that Chris is. Miss Gardner is moved by Carrie's lack of self-esteem and her need for support, and so she assures her that things can change in the song Unsuspecting Hearts. 
So there's, you know, some nice people in this uh, musical. Yeah, Miss Gardner's pretty Miss Gardner's pretty great. They're trying. <laughs> Later, determined to make friends with Carrie, Sue asks Tommy for help with a plan she's devised. Similarly, Chris blames Carrie for her humiliation and interrupts a makeout session with Billy to get his help with her revenge. <gasps> and this is, do me a favor. Using the feminine wiles. Later on, alone in the library, Carrie researches telekinesis and through intense concentration manages to move chairs across the room without touching them. <gasps> and so then it kind of in retrospect, the exploding light bulb in the shower and Billy falling off the skateboard and things like that start to make sense to her. And she's like, ooh. Oh, I've got these powers. Period powers. That's definitely <laughs> what they are. That's definitely what it is. Following Sue's plan, Tommy arrives at Carrie's front door and asks her to prom. And of course, Carrie's wary of this because like... As you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're always like making fun of her or whatever. And she repeatedly refuses him. Margaret calls her in for dinner and Carrie panics about maybe her finding Tommy on their doorstep because she hates men. And so she hastily accepts to be his date. As he leaves, she calls out a joyous thank you as it begins to rain. While it rains outside and starts to get worse, Carrie tells her mother about the prom invitation. And Margaret breaks out into a tortured reverie. She sings the song, I remember how those boys could dance and like how they're all terrible. And that's how I got pregnant with you in the first place. And yep. men are just awful. And, and so she tells Carrie that she must tell Tommy that she can't go. She's like, I'll make up all these excuses, you know. You don't have to embarrass, you know, yourself. We'll just say you're sick. And she's like, no, I'm going. So they get into an argument and Margaret goes to close the windows due to the storm. And Carrie just shouts, I'll get them and uses her mind to slam them shut, convincing Margaret that the power is the work of the devil. And she cowers in fear as Carrie just calmly finishes her dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's not someone you want to piss off. Yeah. And so with that, like big old revelation of her powers and showing them off to her mom and now her mom's going to deal with this. That's where Act 1 ends. So, guys, what do you think about Act 1? Everybody's terrible. Except for, like, two, three people. (laughs) Two and a half people. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know much about the story, like, going into this, besides kind of the end scene. Yeah, everyone yeah, that's, the end Yeah. That was my question, is how much does everyone know about Carrie in general? Have you guys, like, seen the movie, read the book, anything? Bits and pieces of the movie is all I've seen. And I might have seen the movie, I just can't remember. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw, like, pieces of the original. I might have seen the whole thing, I'm not quite sure. But then I also saw the remake with, what's her name, Chloe, Chloe or Grace Moretz. Yeah. It was basically like the original one, just kind of revamped a, a tiny bit. But I, I thought it was good. I haven't read the book, though. It's, it's, you kind of s- sign up for a mental task trying to read any uh, Stephen King. King book. Yeah. Well, and this yeah. was actually his very first published novel. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Kylie, what do you think about the first act? Kylie! I think Margaret brought home the wrong child. Oh. If she's talking about the, <laughs> the demon child. It's Chris. Oh. Chris is the <laughs> demon child. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Margaret's definitely real messed up. <laughs> a little. I mean. Yeah, I definitely hate the 
use of, you know, her period as this, like, devilish thing, but it also hurts how real that is. Yeah. Like, that's a common train of thought. Like, people, like, there are some people that still think it's, like, dirty and bad and all that. But it's just, like, a normal body process, so calm the down. Right. It's 2020, guys. Women have periods. Get over it. Right. Like, it. <gasps> what? <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me you guys go to the bathroom. Why? Okay, well, we don't do that. Secret. But... <laughs> oh, okay. We never do that. Yeah, no. But yeah, so it's just. Yeah, but I mean, like, Ugh. the original story was written in the 70s. So, like, I mean, I can I see get where, like, it. the mentality is more just, accepted. Like, yeah. Hurts as a woman to see it be used as. Yeah. Like, this thing of pain for her because I don't want her to have experienced it like this. I just hurt. I hurt for Carrie because her mom sucks. Yeah, well, yeah. She goes through a lot of shit. But I do like that it's kind of tied into, like, her becoming a woman, like, also makes her realize how powerful she is. Yeah. And I like that aspect. And, like, yeah, people are gonna, you know, think that you're evil or whatever. Although I didn't need Stephen King to come up here and reveal to the world that we all get superpowers when we start our period. So, mm-hmm. right, like, Stephen King, chill. <laughs> That was a secret we were trying to keep. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) I mean, what? What superpower? We don't have superpowers. No. Totally not. So with that uh, weird revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Strange tangents. Yeah. Yeah, We're required to have one one per show. I feel strongly about women's health, okay? Leave me alone. Which is absolutely fair. Yeah. Right. Anyway, but Kylie, how about you read us our theater fact today? Okie dokie. So peacock feathers may be beautiful, but an actor is never supposed to carry one on stage. The superstition is inspired by the pattern on the feather that, to many, looks like an evil eye. No theater production wants to risk offending an audience with this malevolent curse, which is supposed to bring misfortune or injury to anyone who casts it. Good to know. I didn't know that. There's a lot of superstition Weird. with theater. I mean, I guess with any practice that's like super old, mm-hmm. there's always going to be like weird stuff. I- I'm sure there's just like a ton of things where like you get into theater and then somebody's like, oh, you can't do that. Why? Just because. Just because. Just, yeah. Do you want to unleash evil? Then don't do it. Maybe. You don't know what I do. Nope. Yeah, so that was neat to throw that one into like this kind of episode in our spooky episode. Spooky curses. Mm. Spooky curses. Anyone else have thoughts about first act? No. We'll see how this ends. We all know how it ends. Bloody. I don't fully remember. But oh, okay. Yeah, what I guess, Kylie yeah. said. Yeah, let's go. Let's slam our way into Act Two <laughs> right. with our minds. That still doesn't sound good. None of it sounds good. Let's throw some skateboarders in Act Two. <laughs> Preparations for prom and the news that Tommy is taking Carrie preoccupy everyone at school, including Chris and Billy, who sneak into the gymnasium with a bucket of pig's blood and set their nasty prank into place. The song is "A Night We'll Never Forget." Because, you know, everybody has those lying around. Uh-huh. You can go to the butcher. You don't? No, I have one, like, just, just, oh, just in, in the, the closet. closet. Yeah. yeah. You never know when you're going to need an enormous bucket of pig's blood. You don't. For all I the do, rituals we do. I do so many rituals. <laughs> Spooky month. <laughs> Miss Gardner is suspicious of Sue because she had, you know, Tommy invite Carrie to prom mm-hmm. instead of, you know, his girlfriend. 
and warns them both that they'll have to answer to her should Carrie get hurt. Sue is also worried that Tommy is upset with her too, but he assures her he is merely disappointed at not being able to take his girlfriend to prom. Which is, you know, fair. This is like their, this is like their senior prom, you know. Yeah. It's a big deal. So they make up for the event they're going to miss by sharing a romantic private moment in the half-decorated gym in the song You Shine. No. So they seem to have a pretty solid relationship. Not terrible people. Yay. Yay. Finally, we get to prom night where everyone is excited. Carrie is, of course, anxious, but resolves to make the most of the evening in the song Why Not Me. So she's like, why can't I be awesome and pretty and friends with everybody? You know? Margaret is frantic with worry and tries to undermine Carrie's confidence to get her to stay at home. And the song is Stay Here Instead. So, again, she's just terrible. And she thinks Carrie's terrible, but loves her somehow. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Tommy arrives and Carrie departs with him, looking stunning in the dress that she made herself. Alone, Margaret struggles with the scripture, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, and comes to the conclusion that she has a duty, however horrific and tragic. And the song is, When There's No One. Ah, jeez. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, spaghettios. I mean, thanks, bud. Anyway. <laughs> Oops. We're getting there. So, at the gym, all the kids are showing off their fancy prom wear and posing for photos. Yes. Tommy enters with Carrie, and the crowd's reaction to her transformation turns from initial hostility to being unexpectedly welcoming. That's the song Prom Arrival. That just shows what can happen when you put on a dress. <laughs> I guess. That's what Disney taught us. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, Disney. So, Miss Gardner is surprised and delighted by Carrie's new self-assurance, and she shares her own recollection of prom and the two trade notes on the timeless school ritual. This is a song, Unsuspecting Hearts, reprise. After much coaxing, Tommy takes a hesitant Carrie out onto the dance floor, and they're observed by Sue, who snuck in to see how her plan was working out, and Norma, who's Chris's partner in crime. This is Dreamer in Disguise, reprise. Meanwhile, Chris and Billy are hidden high in the rafters, waiting to unleash their prank, and Sue comes in on Norma switching real prom ballots for fake ones, arousing her suspicions. This is prom climax. Mm. Finally, votes are counted. You know, big moment. Yes. And all the normal high schoolers are just waiting to see who gets prom king and queen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone else in the school. So Mr. Stevens and Miss Gardner announce that Tommy and Carrie are prom king and queen. Yay! Yay! Not suspicious at all. Well, no, definitely not. The assembled kids salute them with the school song, Alma Mater. Sue spots the buckets dangling from above the coronation area, confirming her suspicions of a prank. She tries to warn Mrs. Gardner, but the teacher, who has been wary of Sue's motives from the beginning, pushes Sue out of the gym. No, get out of here. Billy, and he yanks the bucket, drenching Carrie in pig's blood. No! Ah! Carrie, no! The students are stunned into silence at first, but eventually turns into laughter, because, of course, children. Yep. Carrie flies into a rage at her humiliation, which, like, same. Yeah. And she falls into madness as she unleashes her power on everyone in the room, killing friend and foe alike in a fire. Though she doesn't really have any friends. Yeah, that's true. She's got nice people. Right. (laughs) But they're dead now. They're dead now. And there's the song, The Destruction. Meanwhile, powerless, Sue watches her classmates perish as she alone survives. It's gonna suck. As sirens wail, Sue follows the path of destruction all the way to Carrie's house. Be the sole survivor of an entire 
High School Massacre? Yeah. Oof. Ouch. Yup. Carrie arrives home in her bloody prom dress and finds momentary solace in her mother's arms in the song Carrie Reprise. And just as Carrie is lulled into a sense of safety, Margaret fulfills what she thinks is her religious duty by plunging a knife into Carrie's back. (laughs) Wounded and trying to defend herself, Carrie uses her power to stop her mother's heart. She got real powerful real fast. Yeah. I mean, it's like trapping a wounded animal kind of thing. Like, just gonna do things she never thought possible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sue stumbles in on the scene and rushes to Carrie's side, drawn by her anguished cries, trying to comfort her. She is too late, and Carrie dies in her arms. And the figures from Sue's memory provide a final haunting testimony of redemption in the song Epilogue. And that is where the show ends. Bum, bum, well bum. then. Uh-huh. Yep. Act one is like, That's... Eh. Act two is like, boom! Action! Yeah. And they cranked it up to 11. Yes. So, when I first was, like, doing the research for this, like, I didn't, I didn't really understand how they could take such a simple bass and turn it into a musical. With the movies, you can put in, like, a lot of other stuff, like the pacing is different, but with musicals... You have to add songs to all these bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's probably why the first one didn't really work. Because, yeah. like, how, how do you turn this kind of thing into something to sing about? <laughs> yeah. I also feel like back in the day, I feel like producing stuff that would, like, make sense would be a lot harder. As far as, like, stage-wise go. Mm-hmm. Like, trying to get all that stuff across would be very difficult. Yeah, it makes me wonder how they get that whole prom scene across on stage yeah i think they actually drop like a liquid onto the actress i'm not sure how they do it in the revival but i know like in the original one one of the technical issues is they couldn't drop the pig's blood because it would ruin her microphone yeah so i don't know how they got around it maybe it's just like streamers or something and they had just like have a quick costume change or something maybe Mm. so yeah i'll have to look into like how they do that uh in the new version but uh, what do you what do you guys think? I mean, I knew that ending was coming just because that's yeah, what that's... I knew from from Carrie. So I can't be like, oh my god, that was so crazy! Wow. But wow, the person with unstoppable power got pushed to the brink. Shocker! <laughs> what a crazy. Yeah. But eh, again, yeah. not. Would have been my choice of something to make into a musical, but <laughs> True. apparently it could be anything we want, so let's yeah. let's get on that, everybody. It's your musical, man. Except we already yep. have Cannibal the Musical, so <laughs> what, what else do we need? True. It's an interesting show, and I do actually like the music to it. It's it's good. I'll, get, I'll say it's good. Yeah. Like, they turned a story that I didn't think could be a musical into an actually decent musical, so... Yeah. Seems like it took a lot of work and revision, so... A lot of work. But it got there. Yes. It got there, yeah. I'm now obsessed with the figuring out the blood thing. I will yeah. figure it You're out. You're figuring out the blood thing? Oh, there's a picture of her splattered in blood. Oh. Hmm. Maybe microphones got better or something? Maybe. I mean, those things can be pretty durable these days. That is true. It has a little umbrella for itself. <laughs> yeah, maybe she, like, covers it or something. Because they can just be, like, those those tiny, tiny ones. Those yeah. She can do, like, a little, like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Cover her face. Mm-hmm. A good classic turned into uh, a fairly decent musical. Yeah. Interesting. Again, maybe maybe not in the beginning. No. But now, 
<laughs> All right, so we just keep going with with the trend. We we adapt a Stephen King novel into a musical, and we do it the musical. Mm. That'd be really hard to do, I think. Let's um not do clowns. <laughs> that would be pretty difficult. Come on, you don't want to sing if we all float down here in show tunesy style. Maybe, but that's not the point. <laughs> hey, I can see it being like a stage play. <laughs> so that was Carrie, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did it. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely go listen to this one. I think it is well worth a listen. If it uh, ever comes back as in, like another revival or anything, I'll I'll probably want to go see it. I'm curious enough. Yeah, I'm curious if they'll try again. Yeah, I mean, because, like, this newest edition was good enough to, like, stick around for at least a few uh, different locations, so. I have a feeling, though, that once, hopefully, we get past some of this COVID stuff and shows start coming back, they're probably just going to, like, stick to really strong. Strong ones, yeah. Strong shows until things get back to normal. Yeah. That's fair. So I, I highly doubt we'll see, like, a, a carry Maybe in, yeah, like a couple of years because yeah. resurgence in, in it is, because like Riverdale mm-hmm. brought it to the surface again, so maybe someone will pick it up again. I'll see it, you know, yeah. if it's if it's able. So apparently the, because I'm still like <laughs> super curious about this, the whole like massacre scene is depicted through like lasers and lights. Yeah. So there's no fire. Wow. Darn. It's all just like flashing strobe lights and stuff. People at this prom, I can't hear you. Let's pump it up. No, no. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be curious to see it. If you have seen it, please let us know. Yeah, seriously. I want to know so many things. <laughs> yeah, there's so many things. So you can tweet us, mainly Amber, at Save an Isle Seat on Twitter. Or you can just email us all directly at SaveMeAnIsleSeat at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you your little notes about this show. If you have any other suggestions for shows, also you can email us. That'd be really cool. Or you can tweet us as well. We do have other shows on our network. If you could go check those out at www.ragtagnetwork.com. They're good, but I'm really biased. So go listen (laughs) to them and judge for yourself. Mostly because you're on them. I'm on only two out of the three. Yeah, the other one's your mom. Yes. (laughs) My mom is great. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this one doesn't get a mama warning, uh, technically. You know what you're getting into. It's Stephen King. Come on. <laughs> you did have a little yeah. bit of swearing, so I apologize. Yeah. I mean, the show itself doesn't have a mama warning. No. Uh, I probably wouldn't recommend your kids watch it, but... That's uh, especially if they're going through uh, changes in their life and they at a young age. they might get superpowers <laughs> when they hit puberty. So if you want to support us, the best way to do that is by word of mouth, but uh, also we do have our Ko-Fi which is www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. That helps support all of us at the network. And that's where we put bonus episodes, which we will have a bonus episode going up there soon. It's really cool. So go listen to it. We watch a cool internet thing. We did. Related a, a to murder musicals. Yeah. A murder musical mystery thing. Yep. So if yeah. you want to get our opinions on that and other funny commentary from it. Mm-hmm. That is where you're going to find it. So go check that out. Also, thanks, guys, again, for getting us. We got to 600 downloads. Woohoo! Whoop! So that is super exciting, and we really appreciate any and all support from you guys. I do want to give a shout-out to those random 26 people in Spain. Thank you very much. 
Spain. <laughs> hey, Spain, what's, what's up? <laughs> uh, quick, say something in Spanish. I... Uh, <laughs> Sangre. <laughs> yes. It's blood. Oh. oh. No. Perfect. It's fitting. Yeah. Okay, guys. That'll wrap up this episode of Save Me Now Seed. We will check you out next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. See ya. See you later. Oh, oh no. I'm fired. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Isle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtag network. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.